the Fanti Amemu Foku was then in existence when suddenly in 1895, the Gold Coast introduced uh, the uh, Gold Coast Land Orc, the Crown Land Bill of 1895. This land bill seeks to make every available land, the so-called wasteland, any land that is not occupied by human beings, was then to become the property of the Queen of England. That was the rule, so they call it wasteland. That apart from where there is an occupancy, with regards to farming, with regards to residence and settlement, and so on. Any other land, the forest land that is, has not been inhabited and so on, then belongs to the queen or the king of England. And this really forced the infantry Amembu Foku to be made into a, a very powerful protest movement that led to the formation of the Aborigines' Right Protection Society to quell that obnoxious law. So what happened was that the, the, the group that met elected Jacob Wilson say, which arguably is one of the first uh, millionaires you call in the Gold Coast. Um, he had a lot of money anyway. And we have J.E.K. Slayford, you have J.B. Anaman, um, Johnson Sasaba, Sasaba was there, J.W. Johnson, J.P. Brown. Brown, you have E.J.P. Brown, you have Van Heen. And Vahin was also there. He even became a president at one time. Kobnasechi was also there, and so on. There were a lot of them. Is this the Kobnasechi of the Blinkards? Yeah, of the Blinkards. That is him. Okay. So all of them formed the association called ARP. Yes. So what was the most important thing they did? Is it true that they sent a delegation to the British Parliament to argue their case against the Lands Bill? So in the whole issue about acquisition of the land, was in tandem with the British policy of uh, Chamberlainite constructivist imperialism. What? What? Chamberlainite constructivist imperialism. What intends doing was that they, they want to bring Afghan back to community. And in so doing, they need to get more lands so that the British capital can be sent here to chart all the resources from all the areas back to um, Europe for exploitation. Because Africa then becomes a raw material zone where they can come and take and process everything back home. So by passing that law, the British now will own the lands so that they will have unfettered access to the resources. And you could see why it led to this protest. For they have tried it elsewhere without massive opposition. So they think they could do. But unfortunately for them, this is a very high, highly enlightened society where people were more educated than the British uh, substandard people they sent to come and even be officials. So when the argument ensued in the Gold Coast by the ARPS, they could not stand them. So they decided now they have to bring the fight back home. After all, the people who were involved in drafting this uh, challenge had been practicing at the British bar. So why will they go back home then? So the John Jacob uh, say, who is the financier, decided to purchase a, a own ship and then send the delegation to British House of Lords. And when they went, the J.A. Hunt, everybody supported by J.E. Kinsley Hayford, and the rest argued, and they won the case. In the British House of Lords? In the Parliament. British House of Lords, which is the Supreme Court. To Court. overturn the law that wanted to take over our land. Yes. So that singular achievement saved the entire West African coast from suffering the fate that happened in Kenya, Zimbabwe, and South Africa, where their land was taken. And today you see how the governments are suffering 
to wow. take the lands back to the Africans, which has been a uh, sort of conflict or contestation between the settler uh, whites and as well as the indigenous African owners of the land. This situation did not occur in our part of the world because our land, and that also affected the kind of um, independent struggle that we had because land was not seized and it was the act of constitution making. So in this regard, there was no need to fight but to challenge the legality of whatever constitutional frameworks or legislature that have been passed, you need to undo them. Meaning that if the Aborigines group hadn't done what they did and the British had annexed our land, it may have led to occupation of our land it by settlers. It would have led to arms struggle, as it that, happened that, that in Omaru insurgency in, 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 in Kenya, in Kenya as well as Zimbabwe. The Zimbabwe one and so on. So what I'm asking, my question is then, it, it means that the likes of Kisley, Hayford, Wilson C, DeGraff Johnson, Mensah Saba, J.D. Abraham, and J.P. Brown. Yeah, J.D. Abraham, Arguably are as important as the big six, if not more, in the, terms of what they achieved for us. For me, uh, big six is just a political term. Apart from Nkrumah, who became a standard bearer leading to independence, the rest, none of them they did can equal, they pale into insignificance when you compare the, to what these people did. Because that is the crux of the whole thing in 1897. If these people have failed, you could imagine what would have happened to not only Gold Coast, but the entire West Africa. Okay? Would have suffered the same fate because the British, Gold Coast was what the British called their own modeled colony. It was of value to them. They believe the people have had education and so on. So the value attached to Gold Coast was so high. For Sierra Leone, they have to return some people from America and what have you. Britain. There, and Britain, okay? Just in Liberia and so on. So for them, they knew that some external people who have gone to overseas and return who were brought there is different. But for Gold Coast, these are people who have stayed in their own country through their own ability, have traveled educate themselves and so on and they were very smart group of people indeed because of what the Aboriginal reputation society did when the governor of Lagos also was gifted the land of the entire Lagos was gifted to him by the Oba at the time he took the British took the entire Lagos as their personal or bona fide property and then the Oba's son Amadou Tijani who is called Oluo's case, famously in law, it's called the Oluo's case. Oluo, who, who also became the Oba there, decided to challenge the right of the British to own the land. Now, to go and fight the British over that right, he had to come to Cape Coast and find J.E.K. Hayford and the rest about how they did it. So, they went to support him in the British House of Lords, and they, he was able to win. When he won the victory, he didn't go to Nigeria, so he came straight to Cape Coast, walked through the streets and celebrated before he went back to Nigeria. So this will show you the importance of the kind of people we are talking about who were in 1980. So, so Ghana can claim to be the mecca of African liberation struggle, not just because of 57, but not actually because of the Aborigines' Rights Protection Society. It is for that reason J.E. Kesley Hayford, who founded the one that we are about to go in, National Congress for British West Africa, mm -hmm. is perceived as the 
as the as the uh, as the grandfather of West African nationalism. J. E. Kisley Hayford. So he was also a member of the um, Aboriginal Strike Protection Society, and he was the lawyer who, alongside Hunt and then T. F. U. Jones, who went and then made the case for wow. the Gokos people. I am told that some of the methods the society used included campaigns in local newspapers like the Gold Coast Methodist Times, the Gold Coast Aborigin in the late 19th century, and the Gold Coast Nation. Mm. I'm surprised they were using newspapers. So there's also a little journalism in there. No, it was so, not. Uh, uh, it, 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 journalism started in 1873, right? In 1873, mm. when the first newspaper was, came into being. Okay? Then you talk about, of course, the Bannerman brothers, Charles and Edmund, who were the first to publish the local one. It was handwritten one, and so on. So, but say, McCarthy was the first to do the Gold Coast Gadget, okay? The Gazette there before this Gold Coast test came with the, the, their own. So what I'm saying is that when you talk about um, literary um, fight or awareness or communication, it was with the Gold Coast elites long before even the 1895, because the newspapers were there, they were writing. Kesleyford himself was an editor of his uncle's newspaper, the Gold Coast Aborigine. They were, uh, uh, J.B. Anderman was editing here and there. The Penny Brothers, or uh, Assam Brothers of South Point and Alabama were the editors there. And these were British trained lawyers, okay, who were editing the newspaper. And it is not the kind, I, I must tell you, if you are able to get some of the readings, you uh, and people who have access to those colonial newspapers, you will see the kind of radical journalism that these people were then practicing. Some of them have their press houses being closed with the seditious label laws that the British were using. So this, this, it is not a new thing. Mm. The newspaper awareness or the journalism awareness was at its apex at the time. I said the population was not mm. as big as I'm also have. told that the activities of the society were not always an all-male affair and although colonial society was dominated by men throughout the period of colonial rule several women's groups teamed up with men or supported men in anti-colonial pro protest politics okay we are told for example that in 1906 following the campaign against the town council ordinance cape coast market women unleashed a large-scale well-organized protest against the ordinance when governor john roger visited cape coast to open an agricultural show so are there other names or people or groups that contributed prior to that mm -hmm. prior to even um around somewhere around 1802 1803 going the gold coast native association for instance mm -hmm. who were the uh, uh african women of cape coast they already had a ballroom for reading this uh, engaging intellectual exercise inviting the elites to come and read books then to play European accordions and what have you. And these people, when the abolishment of slave trade came, they even move and then try to protest on some of the issues. To when the poll tax ordinance was even passed, uh, Elizabeth Barnes and Catherine Dawson, whose husband built the company we call FNA Swansea, which has now mixed with Miller Brothers leading to UAC and now it's Unilever. Okay, he gave all the first big land for Unilever to operate in the Gold Coast. He gave, she gave the land. She was the richest woman in the Gold Coast. Wow. Indeed, when 
uh, Ashanti wanted to even invade the coast. It was Catherine Dawson who paid that Ashanti came to stay back, that they need peace. So she was so rich. And her beautiful houses are still found in Cape Coast at the, at the Dawson Hills in Cape Coast. So this woman was there and she wrote a letter to the governor that the poll tax ordinance is inimical to the interest of Gold Coast business and the people themselves. So she opposed it. So you see that when we talk about um, the issue of protest, it is not only men. So Catherine Dawson was there, um, Elizabeth Banks was there, and they and the Association of Women were there, were there okay. also protesting in their own way. So it is not shocking that mm -hmm. when issues were going, in fact, in Cape Coast, one of the weapons that, according to the oral traditions that is in Cape Coast was that, when the woman even gets angry, just like the Abarayot, where the woman went naked and they were dragging their buttocks and they were moving on the street, the Cape Coast women, when things that don't go on well, they go just straight to the castle and they show their buttocks to the governor. And these things are a sign of protest. Going naked, recently even Togo, they did it. And it is one of the most powerful weapons because men do not want to see their precious women nakedness in public. So they were using it there. Okay. If you go back to Elmina, they were even more extreme. When the governor uh, involved himself in the Elmina issues, the achievements are fair or whatever, they would just come there and push the governor and he would fall on the back of the place and clash his head. And they kill about four governors in Elmina. Wow. So you see the protest in the coast is not a new thing. For them, as until 1874, that we are talking about, the white man has no power over the fanties. It was just a mere trade relations. Before we talk about the next one, which is the Kingsley Hayford, the Nationalist Congress of East West Africa, I just wanted to comment on the cop. I've seen, I keep seeing the name um, P. Awuno Rena. Uh -huh. he, he was a lawyer. He was also a lawyer involved in Aboriginal Rights Protection Society. Peter. Okay. Peter Peter he so, had a Sierra father and an Elmina mother. Uh -huh. But it's one of the that their father, there were two of them. We have the Williams and then the Renes of um Leone. Because of their business activities, they first settled at Qatar to transact business. So the children they born there are the Awono Renes. So the Awono is what uh, Awono Renes. Is what has become the fantasy call it Awana. So you see the original writing is Peter A W U N A Awana ah, Rena. So the word Awuno uh -huh. is it an attempt from, to say Anglo. Anglo. So it means so, Anglo. Anglo Rena. So the Renes from Anglo are the Awuno Rena. Yeah, that's Anglo Anglo Rena. Rena. But because of business, all their relatives, majority of them moved to Elmina to settle there and marry there. That is why you find Kofiban Kole Awana Rena in uh, in Elmina. You find Peter Renner, you find Peter, our New Williams and the rest in Elmina. And they have the relationship with the Qatar people, like the late Professor Kofi Awuno and the rest. These are all the Salalionian uh, Ewe Fanti mix. Interesting.